Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey everybody, I just wanted to pop in before the show starts and tell you, we recorded this on Friday, we're uploading it on Monday, and so anytime that happens, there's obviously sports that take place and then we get things wrong. Biggest thing this weekend was Missouri's unexpected win over Utah. While that was great, we obviously didn't see it coming. So anytime we make a mistake and predict the future and we're wrong, we'll just play this little chime. Expect to hear it a lot. Enjoy. This is the Mazzotcast. Howdy, Tiger fans, and welcome to the Mazzotcast. I'm your host, Brendan Anthony. Joining me, as always, is my longtime brother, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum dum? Well, Colin, the regular football season is over, but there's been a lot that's happened since I think we last recorded earlier in December, and uh, we're going to cover all of it today. Oh, good. Well, some of it's good, and some of it's very, very bad. Which one would you like to start out with? Oh, let's get the uh, bad out of the way. All right. Well, you know, part of me is worried that listeners are sick of listening to us bellyache about the state of the basketball program. But if you're going to talk about basketball, you have to bellyache about it because it's fucking abysmal. Yeah. And Brendan, by the way, this abysmal play, this bad basketball that we're seeing, the turnovers, just the misery that is our basketball program is brand new. Yeah. Nobody ever saw this coming before. I've read, I've read a couple articles now that have told me that uh, this is different. This is much yeah. different than it's been, despite, again, what my eyes would say or anyone else's eyes. But anyway, this bad basketball is a, is a brand new thing. And so maybe we shouldn't be too hard on it because it's been obviously been four years of great basketball, <laughs> Yeah, as we all know. We've been saying for a while, you know, that the, the we were pushing against the narrative that uh, all you need is a little more time. Or if you don't un- if you don't see good things from what Conzo's doing, then you don't understand basketball well enough. And the people that were pushing this narrative, and obviously now we know that that narrative is complete and total horseshit. We knew it before, but it's I think obvious to the world now that it was horseshit. And so you've got to repaint a new narrative if your goal, if your end goal, is to never admit you're wrong. 
And that narrative now is that something is magically different this year than in years yeah. past. Yeah. Well, and what honestly aggravates me is the, it's like politics. They, these narratives, people buy it, you know what I mean? And they don't call people on it. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, that sounds right or whatever. And it's like people, you know what I mean? Like you start getting that, that narrative regurgitated at you. You're like, no, no, it was horseshit. If you read the last four years, you should know it's horseshit. Now you shouldn't be afraid to tell them it's horseshit. Well, that's how um, narratives emerge, Colin, is when more yeah, people, when more people just say okay to it, then push back on it. And so anyway, let's get to the, the meat of the matter, which is the border war is back. And yeah. uh, <laughs> Missouri went to Allen Fieldhouse for the first time in a decade, I guess. And uh, we knew this was going to be a real fun one. At the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, unmitigated disaster, I think, is the term that I like to use. 102 Kansas to Missouri's 65. And it could have been worse, Brent. It, it could, could have, have been, been worse. I guess. Well, I mean, Kansas won by however much they wanted to win by, essentially. Exactly. Like, if they wanted to score 130, they could have. That is true. I mean, we had absolutely. I mean. Against our defensive emphasis team. I think it's the worst loss in 40 years we've ever had, you know, or one of the worst loss of this like hundred year rivalry. If, if anything can illustrate how bad we are now compared to the history of this program, it's this game, you know, that this yeah, was well, a game. I want to get this out of the way right away that Conzo Martin is a good coach. I can <laughs> definitively say that. Yeah. But this was a bad outcome. Horseshit. This is a bad coach with an extremely bad team. It's unfortunate the border war has to start like this. And the good news is, is we've got a fucking murderer's row of games coming up, too. So Yeah, you want to see the yeah, docket coming up here, Colin? You got them? You got it there? I do. I've got the schedule pulled up here. Oh, pull, give, give, give me the uh, like the next five or six games, and let's, let's think about uh, how much fun they'll be. Well, let me scroll here past the loss to UMKC and the loss to Kansas and the loss to Liberty and get down to the games yet to be lost. Um, we're playing Utah on Saturday. That's tomorrow. We're recording this on Friday. Utah's uh, pretty good. Utah is a good team. They will beat us. Badly. <laughs> the arch rivalry is coming up following that next Wednesday against Illinois. We will be slaughtered. Yes. Yes, we will. And then we enter conference play, and that should be exciting because we take on this little program called Kentucky, first of all. on Yeah, uh, sure. I've heard of them. Yep. Wednesday, the 29th of December, we start conference play against Kentucky. I'm sure we'll win that one. Yeah, sure. Then we get Mississippi State, Alabama, Arkansas. I think, you know, there's a few of these programs. I think Alabama, what are they, top 10 this year? Uh, there's a few of these that are bad SEC teams, you know, the teams. I know George is a dumpster fire, too. Well, mm-hmm. do that. we got that game to look forward to. We might have an inkling of a chance. Well, I'm scrolling down here. We play them uh, in March, March 5th. So who knows what to <laughs> look forward to March, Tiger fans. There's <laughs> our next W coming up in March 5th. Yep. We, a, I mean, it, the part that was most annoying about the Kansas game was they kept going to Bill Self. Yeah. And uh, he was just grinning from ear, ear to ear like a fucking Cheshire cat. And then uh, you just look at this lineup coming up. And I mean, it's like, just like somebody dipped their hand in, I don't know, chocolate and then rolled their fist in kitty litter and they're going to jam it straight up our poop shoot. <laughs> That's what our basketball schedule is. <laughs> well, I don't want to dwell on it. Diamond too long. dry. You know what? Not kitty litter, diamond dry. Sure. Wrap their hand in diamond dry. Just for, bam. For all you listeners who know what uh, diamond dry is. Yeah, we'll look it up. If you play baseball. In your rectum. <laughs> if you ever play baseball in a rainy area, you'll know. So they said How about it, chat rock. Is that better? <laughs> yeah. I, all, chat rock. Colin, they all work. They're all wonderful it's analogies. All, 
Yeah, it's all they're all spot on. Yeah, they all cause friction when inserting something in your rectum. <laughs> yeah, sure. And not the kind of friction you like. Yeah. So Missouri sits five and five currently, and most of our possible wins on the schedule are now behind us, as we mentioned. So, you know, Kim Anderson, his worst season, I can't remember if he had eight or nine wins. I know it was below 10. And I thought, well, we'll never see that again. You know, as bad never as. Never see the like of that again, especially yeah. with this great new coach who's going to rebuild us from the Kim Anderson era. Well, when I. He had w- nothing to start with, Brennan. You know what I mean? Like, Kim <laughs> yeah. Anderson left the cupboard dry. So. Yeah. Five years later, he should be worse than Kim Anderson. I mean, is the logic that I hear a lot of. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And, you know, whenever we were back talking about uh, we had no faith in Conzo Martin and we're being told we didn't know anything on basketball, I said, I don't think Conzo's a terrible coach. I think he has a low ceiling, higher than Kim Anderson's. I think maybe he's a 14-win coach instead of a 9-win coach. But now I have to eat my words because I think he is a 9-win coach. <laughs> well, we're about to find out. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's going to be ugly, but I do see, Colin, I have seen Conzo supporters out there on the internet still doing it. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Still beating that drum. And now I've seen other people who are not necessarily backing Conzo, but just saying, given the fact that we owe $6 million to him after May 1st and that this program's running in the red, we may have no choice but to retain him another year. That's not saying that they want him, but it is addressing a financial reality. And, you know, I don't know where that's going to go, but that is certainly something that's being discussed. We'll find out soon. I mean, we got a lot of basketball to uh, play poorly before we get to that point. But uh, I don't want to dwell on this at all too much, Colin, because it's all depressing. We have done nothing but bemoan it since the season started, rightfully so. We've got good news in Mizzou land, and we should start covering that because it's the holiday season. Let's talk about good things. Okay. National Signing Day was this week. How did we do on that, Brendan? I haven't heard. Well, I've got Is that. T- we do okay. I've got two forty-seven. Probably in the top fifty, right? We got the top. Did we get to the top fifty this year? I've got two forty-seven sports pulled up right now, and okay. they have us nationally ranked number twelve in the country currently. That is markedly better than I recall in the past. It's markedly better than anyone as a Mizzou fan can recall. <laughs> yeah. We're also ranked fifth in the SEC, which is always shocking to me. You're 12th in the country, so you think, okay, well, if we're, there's 200 teams and we're ahead of 180 of them, surely we're like in the top two or three. No, we're still, we're still middling, but top middle, which is good, which is good because it's got Texas yeah. A.M., Georgia, Alabama. These are the people we're in contention with, and I like mm-hmm. hearing that. Right, is this the best class we've ever had, Brennan? Is that confirmed? I, I, I mean, mean, like, uh, did they have a class back before my, minorities were allowed to play football? You know what I mean? Like something that doesn't count because it was so long ago or something. But I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not a recruiting <laughs> expert. And yeah. I don't know how or long do I these, want to be. No. And I don't know how long these things have been tracked, but I can just say anecdotally in my memory, 
absolutely, it's the best class. And uh, there are concerns, though, Colin. I think we should go through it a little bit. Obviously, the highlight on this class we found out back in October, but it was confirmed on this when he signed on Wednesday. Luther Burden, a five-star wide receiver, widely thought to be the best wide receiver in the country, is now a Tiger. That's exciting, and of course, we are always concerned about who's going to throw the fucking football to him because Connor Bazelak had a disastrous season this year. Sam Horn is our four-star signee from Suwanee, Georgia. Georgia? Georgia. How did that happen? Well, I mean, he drink came I mean, that might be the most impressive signing of the group just from the standpoint of like Luther Burns in your backyard and drink consists him to stay home, but this kid's out of Georgia, and he's a four-star quarterback. That's a good get. That's a really good get. It is a good get, but it also comes with strings attached, as uh, I think most things Mizzou-related do. He is not just a football player, Sam Horn. He is a Major League Baseball prospect ball player. He is a pitcher who can get it up in the 90s, and Mm -hmm. there is a chance he could be drafted highly in the Major League Baseball draft and then would have to make a decision. Does he decide to play professional baseball, or does he go to college to play SEC football? He has not said which way he's leaning, but he is certainly open to that discussion. Part of me wonders if he's just playing these two off of each other. If he's saying to Major League Baseball, hey, you're going to have to draft me highly and give me a good signing bonus if you want me to come because I have this other great offer here. And he's telling Mizzou, hey, you better find some NIL money for me because I can just jump to Major League Baseball anytime I want. I don't know, but it's a concern because if he does depart early and not come to campus, he's not he's not coming to campus early like some players are. He will spend the summer at home. So if he doesn't come, we are in the world of hurt in the quarterback department, and uh, we're going to have to. We haven't had good luck in the transfer portal when it comes to quarterbacks so far. So I don't, you know, we need Sam Horn maybe more than he needs us. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, I do think that, uh, God, there are a million, trillion, jillion guys that get drafted that never pee a drop, especially pitchers. I know that uh, football is a more uh, rigorous sport, but I also feel like the road to the NFL is an easier road sometimes than it is to the MLB. I mean, you got four and five years a lot of times of bus rides <laughs> in the minors before you get your call up. And because uh, I don't think Sam Horn is the type of, you know, the Bryce Harper type prospect where they're like, well, you're going to go spend six months in the minors. And don't think that's what he is playing three years at Mizzou and getting uh, and, and going leaving early for the draft would be a faster road to a paycheck. I don't even want to speculate about it until we know more, because all it does is add anxiety to a Mizzou fan base, which is full of anxiety everywhere all the time. Getting past our wide receiver and quarterback combo. We did uh, beef up our running back core, which was much needed with the departing Tyler Beatty leaving for the NFL soon. Tavoris Jones from El Paso, Texas. He is a four-star running back. And um, hopefully, here's the thing about these skill position players is they will likely see the field immediately. And I think that is a draw Missouri can bring because we need them now. And not everybody does. Absolutely. And I think that's something a program like Missouri is always going to be able to offer play right away because you're not going to be behind another five-star recruit who's a senior or what you know what I mean it's now nothing would make me happy when we get to a point where we have so many high-end recruits that we can't promise a starting spot because then you know the problem takes care of itself but yeah I think right now one of the things Mizzou can definitely sell is come join our team play right away become a hero right away and you don't have to play for Nick Saban who you know just is a great coach who's just a fucking horrible human being Well, we've talked about three players so far. One of them is number one in the nation at their position. 
Luther Burton. Sam Horn is number nine in the country at the quarterback position. And Tavoris Jones is ranked number 13 in the country in running backs. So we, <laughs> this is stuff Mizzou is just not used to seeing. Three of your most influential positions are uh, top 15 in the nation. And it keeps going because you got Marquise Graciel, who is a defensive lineman, also much needed at Mizzou. He's a four-star kid. He's number 25 at that position. He's out of St. Charles, Missouri, so another in-state get. The amount of uh, locking up the border that Drinkwitz has done without even making it a selling point to the public is, I mean, just light years ahead of what Barry Odom tried to do and embarrassed himself. He's doing what Barry Odom marketed it that he was going to do and didn't. Daniel Parker Jr. was the only person from the Missouri 10 that played at Mizzou and basically spent half his career here kind of disgruntled, if you believe the rumors. <laughs> well, yeah, especially at the end. I mean, and the other thing, here's the thing about these guys who are leaving for the transfer portal and not like thanking Drinkwitz or the new staff. Nobody gives a shit. You know, I know, I know yeah. that's, that's your sort of F you on the way out. Daniel well, Parker Jr. Part of it is, is like, it reminds me of when a new football coach joins an NFL team. You're not good enough. You know what I mean? I, I'm sure Drinkwitz is not kissing anybody's ass. I didn't recruit you, and you're not good enough to play on a Drinkwitz team. You were good enough for an Odom team. But, you know, I, I don't know what these kids want. Drinkwitz didn't recruit Daniel Parker. He didn't make him any promises, and he has no reason to kiss his ring. If all these guys are butthurt because Drinkwitz didn't stroke their egos the way they'd like, no. Tough shit, buddy. Get ready to winter to the real world because nobody's going to be stroking your ego there either. It does make me wonder if the locker room chemistry will increasingly get better and better as these Drinkwitz recruits come on board because you do see guys who are brought in from another administration maybe not feeling the love like they did before. And uh, as every year passes, that just goes away. And so now you've got all Drinkwitz's guys. I think Odom was a love them up kind of coach too. Yeah. I don't know that Drinkwitz is – you know, I think Drink was a good guy with a lot of personality, but I don't know if he's a love him up guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, the uh, the only big surprise in the uh, recruiting class uh, was an uncommitted player by the name of DJ Wesselak from Boonville, Missouri. He's a four-star edge rusher, defensive end, and uh, again, listed number 14 in the country at that position. And he threw away the Alabama and Georgia hats and then picked up a Missouri Tigers cap, and it was now coming to Mizzou, which that was a big get. Bumped our rating right back up there. We had been near the top ten before, falling off a little bit. And and uh, Wesselak was uh, was a big get for Drinkwitz and added yet another four-star recruit. Go back to the four-stars. We got Isaac Thompson out of St. Louis. He is a safety listed in number 16 in the country at that position. And Jamarian Wayne from Baldwin, Missouri, he's a wide receiver, a four-star wide receiver. He'll join the ranks of Luther Burden, and uh, that's a lot of four-star four wide receiver. I mean, that if Luther Burden isn't coming to Missouri, that kid is getting a lot more press. <laughs> but he's just he's an afterthought at this point. Deshaun Woods is, has committed to Mizzou but did not yet sign. Um, he Brennan, The crazy thing is, is any okay. one of the kids you have mentioned right now in any other Mizzou class in recent memory would have been the headline to that class. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy. Yeah, Barry Odom classes had three, two or three four-stars and then a, a bevy of two and three stars. And we have a few three-stars, but the Well, not only like the, the four-stars, but they, and even the four-stars that Odom got, were they ever the top 15, in the top 15 players in the country? You know what I mean? Like Rare. It's a, and not just Barry Odom. I mean, McGarry Pinkles didn't enjoy a lot of years like this either. So, I mean, like yeah. it's, Drinkwood still has a lot to prove. And I think that sometimes we can forget that. Uh, as a coach, especially on game day, but it's 
easy to give him a longer leash when he's bringing in this kind of talent. And, it, and, it, and he was trying to do it with somebody else's players. And on all those players were bad. I mean, Tyler Beatty, for instance, is you know going to leave Mizzou atop their mountain of rushers. But I think that uh, Drinkwitz is going to get a lot of these players in here, and we're going to get to see what Drinkwitz is. And maybe Drinkwitz isn't anything, but it's it's there's going to be going to be excuses with these kind of classes. And it's not that Mizzou doesn't have holes that still need filled, or doesn't have doesn't mean that they don't have unproven areas that they're going to have trouble with next year. But what it does mean is that areas that need improving, we have ready-made quick solutions for. I mean, there are, it doesn't break my heart in any way whatsoever that Daniel Parker Jr. is leaving. Now, we do have Max Wisner from Lee Summit, three-star tight end coming in, and we're going to need that because we are light on tight ends. That is just a fact. And uh, obviously, the transfer portal is going to – Drinkwitz knows how to use it, and he's ready to. But uh, there's The good there, news about tight ends is as long as you got one receiving tight end, you can kind of fill out that position with offensive linemen. And yeah. what I mean by that is you can find a, you can find one of your lighter, not scholarship linemen and turn him into a blocking tight end. I think tight end is one of those positions, like not that you don't need a tight end and not that it was, isn't good to have a really good one, but it's one of those mix and max positions that you can do a little more patching than other positions. Like you can't, you can't just throw anybody in at wide receiver, but at tight end, you know, you can, a smaller, uh, a smaller lineman who can drop a few pounds and, and can get his mitts on somebody, he can be a blocking tight end. But yeah, not, I, I mean, as far as I wish we had more tight ends, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I don't wish we had depth, but if for a position that you don't have a lot of depth at, it ain't a bad one to be. And obviously, nobody's more aware of our lack of depth there than Coach Drinkwitz and his staff. So I'm sure that it will be addressed. Yep. I do worry sometimes about, like you mentioned, game day decision Coach Drinkwitz makes. But when it comes to the recruiting stuff, I step aside and say, who the hell am I? to make any sort of criticisms at this point because he's untouchable right now. I mean, he has done nothing but win, 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 and win again on the recruiting front. And um, he's the reason why we're sitting at six and six, looking at a very difficult bowl game where we are not favored and still feeling optimistic about this program. This is not a point where we really wanted to be, I think at the beginning of this year, six and six with a uh, tough bowl game. That's kind of where we said was like the bottom we would accept as a good season. You know, this is not where we wanted to be. We would hope to be at eight wins right now. And that, in hindsight, looked like we should have, could have been had we not had some very serious faults and very key positions. But because of where we are in the recruiting front, everybody is optimistic about this program in a way that basketball could only dream of. And Colin, we should start talking about that bowl game. We have a bowl game coming on December 22nd. Why don't we take our first break for the day, come back and get into the Armed Forces Bowl because we're taking on Army, which essentially means that if you root for Mizzou, you don't support the troops. Yeah, well, I can't wait to play in a bowl against the bottom third of your graduating class with a gimmick fucking offense in the middle of a bowl nobody wants to go to. Sounds <laughs> awesome. Well, we're not favored in this. Well, let's let's go to the break. We'll talk about it. But uh, all right, this will be a tough one. This is the Mazodcast. You know, ever since we started this podcast, people have been asking for advice. Usually, it's what team to bet on this week. Truth is, I really can't give away that information for free all the time. I thought they were asking whether they should leave their wife. That too. Well. Go to my bookie. Check it out. They'll give you lines on all games. You can bet any sport. It's wonderful. You don't need me to talk to you. The Greek doesn't have to be in your ear all the time. 
Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. And that's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they're your best bet this season. If you're willing to deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern Time, they will give you an additional $25 free play on any deposit over $100. You can use promo code MIZ25. Join now, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. It's up to you guys, but I'd wait until after dinner and take advantage of this extra 25 bucks. You play, you win, you get paid. Take it from the Greek. My bookie is the way to go. back we mentioned it calling the armed forces bull mizzou will be taking on army december 22nd we haven't gotten to see a bowl game in a while we were eligible last year but uh team came down with covid didn't get to play that one and uh so here we are bowl eligible once again win it we have a winning record on the year lose it and uh, you know an sec program has just lost to a service academy and you end up with a losing record so there's something on the line for sure, but we're four-point underdogs in this one because it is a terrible matchup for Mizzou. Well, it's a bowl game that nobody wanted, which is why Mizzou got it. We're going to have to build our profile a little bit, but, or, or we're going to get stuck in the Armed Services Bowl. I mean, that's just the way it goes. Incorrect. Armed Forces. Yeah, we're going to get the Armed Forces Bowl is where you're going to end up. And so, like, it's playing Army, you know what I mean? Like, it's be better, Mizzou, if you don't want this bowl game. And I nobody wants this bowl game. And I think Frankowitz knows that, and he's going to try to be better. You know, <laughs> let's play on January one. That's what I say. Hey, Colin, I, not to circle back to what we were talking about before the break, but I'm sure you saw this. Where Drinkwood said that Conzo Martin was key to getting Luther Burden to come to Mizzou because he had used his contacts, played ball with him or something. Yeah, he'd used his uh, influence to uh, help lure him this way. And I mean, I had honestly seen people say, well, maybe, and maybe some people were saying this facetiously, but they were like, well, maybe we should keep him around. But I'm like. What? First of all, if he's you don't hire your basketball coach to recruit football players, you know, bring some of that amazing yeah. prowess to your basketball team, folks. Secondly, I mean, we're terrible at fucking basketball. So like this one thing, I mean, and and again, we're circling to the he's a good guy thing. Like, oh, that's great. This is all great, but it's all peripheral I to think, the reality. I think that drink was just probably way overplaying that to help Conzo out because sure. Conzo Conzo can't recruit basketball players. So I don't. I'm I'm skeptical that he's that much help for recruiting football players. I mean, he could recruit a prostitute to give a hand job. And so the idea that he somehow instrumental in this is, I think Drinkwitz doing him a, a favor because he realizes Conzo is getting basically beaten by the fans pretty hard right now. Deservedly so. So he's, he's, it's, it's an olive branch, but yeah. don't get, <laughs> it's, it's horse shit in my, I mean, he probably did make an introduction, but you know what I mean? Like, but, What's that worth? At the end of the day, you got to Drinkwitz is the one that has to recruit that kid. Drinkwitz and his staff. Yeah. So anyway, back to the the bowl game in Fort Worth, Texas, on December twenty second. Army is eight and four. Obviously, we know that Mizzou is six and six. Um, I think Army is favored because, as you mentioned, they're this triple option team. They're going to try to control the time of possession. They're going to run, 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 and run. And we all know that we are not the best run defense in the world. So this 
looks to be a difficult game for us. Hopefully, Tyler Beatty can do what Tyler Beatty has done so often, which is just completely control the game. We're going to need him to. Yeah, and uh, hopefully uh, somebody will play quarterback. <laughs> that our, is the our, big our question of the day, right? Resemblance of a quarterback. Incorrect. You know, I mean, that would be Semblance. Awesome. There's just no reason at this point, as bad as Baselack has played, not to give one of these other guys a chance. They're just, especially given their mobility. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just feel like if you have Beatty and a running quarterback back there, you can run the option. You know what I mean? And that just fucks with teams. It always fucks with teams. And we have no, there's no, pro- we can't do the option. You know what I mean? I just, unless Baselack has got incredibly healthy, he limits your offense just in a, in a ton of ways. And he happens to be turnover prone. You know what I mean? Like when I say, when I question Drinkwitz's game day decision making, Connor Baselack playing as much as he did is part of the reason I have some skepticism. Well, the thing too, Colin, if, if you are in a position where your quarterback is struggling and you're not terribly sure about your backup quarterbacks, the best position to be in is to have your offense entirely rely on your running back because even if your backup quarterback isn't that good, at least he can hand the ball off to, you know what I mean? Like you're not losing anything by putting a backup in because you're all gaining mobility. You're you know gaining I mean? mobility, but you're not asking him to throw 50-yard bombs, you know, or or run this complicated passing offense. You're asking him to hand it off and occasionally tuck and run. And so, and if you force a team to stack the box because you're running that off, then eventually they're going to bring every, all the safeties up. They're going to fucking and, – and even a mediocre quarterback is going to be able to find some passing lanes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And they were recruited to a Division One football team. Occasionally, you'd think that maybe they would be able to complete a pass. I mean, the bar is low when we're talking about what Connor Bazelak can bring to this team. We know where it is. And Connor Bazelak. Such a shame. I had such high hopes, such high hopes for Connor Bazelak. Well, he's just a different guy than he was a year ago. I mean, he looks like an entirely different player. He's lost his confidence. He's lost his accuracy. I mean, we, we, you know, I don't want to beat up on him because I'm sure he's a good kid, but like he can't play quarterback and we need somebody else to for the time being. We got this one bowl game, put Cook or Macon in. We've got Horn coming hopefully next year. Put somebody in and make them not transfer out, you know? Like, if, if nothing else, use this opportunity to keep Cook or Macon from transferring. I agree. But uh, do, do you think we can win this game in any way, Colin? Oh, sure. I mean, there's always a chance that uh, they, you know, Army becomes turnover prone. I mean, they could make him fumble and as, as well as anybody, you know? And so, uh, and certainly, you know, maybe Tyler Betty is just has another one of those Tyler Betty days where he just destroy a uh, destroyer of worlds. I mean, it's not as if, Army's offense is explosive. They're just going to grind you to a powder if you'll let them. But, you know, you get a couple stops and your offense is effective. They don't have an offense to come back. You know what I mean? Like, if you can get them down, they're in trouble in a hurry because they don't have a passing offense to fucking to make up deficits. So it's important to get on top of Army fast and and stay there. I agree. And, Colin, why – do you want to do a little around the horn and go through the SEC bowls that are coming? Because I think every team in the SEC is in a bowl game this year, short of Vanderbilt. Certainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we break our bread at Waffle House. Our teams are pretty good. We even play some basketball when Jesus says we should. So pour a little bourbon and repeat right after me. We built a church for Saturdays and called it SEC. Loves football. And Colin, why don't you boot up the Paul Feinbach so he can join us? Okay.
Alabama. Alabama. Nick Saban. All right. Thanks for joining us, Paul. Thank you, Mizzou Cast Podcast. Okay, so let's do get started with these bowls, Colin. It uh, is a full docket. Being the shitty bowl that nobody wanted, the Armed Forces Bowl we mentioned is the first one to be played on Wednesday, December 22nd. We mentioned Mizzou is a four-point dog in this one. The over-under is 57.5. Given what we've seen from Missouri's offense and knowing how Army plays offense, I think I'd take the under in that game. Yeah, I agree with that. You're right about that. The next day on Thursday, December 23rd, is the... Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl. We, we haven't talked about these great sponsor names. But yeah, the Gasparilla Bowl is Florida taking on UCF. UCF is 8-4. and four, Florida 6-6. Six and six. Florida is a 6.5-point favorite. And I would love to see UCF beat their, I guess, in-state rival? Yeah, me too. Florida sucks. When they lose, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, it's the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl, in case you were wondering. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. Um, the next week, the following Tuesday, December 28th, there's a couple of games. The Ticket Smarter Birmingham Bowl will have number 20, Houston, going up against Auburn. Houston is 11-2. and two. Auburn is 6-6. Six and six. Auburn is just a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. Auburn had a good day on the recruiting front, but their season has gone to shit this year. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked for Houston to win, but I, I still would pick Auburn. I, I like that bet. Auburn. Yeah, I expected that, too. Mississippi State's playing the same day at the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, a game that some of us thought we might get um, in Memphis, but they're playing Texas Tech, who is six and 6-6. Six. Mississippi State is 7-5. and five. The record doesn't indicate this, but they played in the West, which is very I, – I have to think that Mississippi State's docket of games they played this year was a lot tougher than the Big 12 opponents Texas Tech faced. Mississippi State is – Mississippi State uh, against – it's the uh, a former coach going up against his former team. There's probably That probably had something to do with the, the matchup. It gives the uh, media storyline, I'm sure – Mike Leach will be extra motivated to stick it in Texas Tech's pooper. I love it. <laughs> well, the uh, the gamblers in Vegas think so. Mississippi State is an eight and a half point favorite in this one. I fully expect. I mean, that eight and a half maybe not enough. I don't know. Mississippi State to me was a bit of a uh, Jekyll and Hyde team. They look good one week and they look like shit the other. So I just I just I'm not confident which team shows up. Yeah, that's that's fair. Paul, what about you? Who do you think is going to win that one? Mississippi State. Yep, I could have predicted that. North Carolina is facing South Carolina. I think we all know why this matchup was put together. It will be in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. It used to be the Belk Bowl. It's now the Dukes-Mayonnaise Bowl. Thursday, December 30th, 10.30 a.m. on ESPN. UNC is favored over South Carolina by 9.5 points, which does make sense. South Carolina pretty much sucked this year. They but but the North Carolina up. wasn't any good either. They're 6-6. Six and six. Yeah, I, South Carolina's just so bad at quarterback. I don't know. Their defense sucks. It's the biggest line we've seen so far, and it's North Carolina. I, I do have. Do you see that? Beamer, seems like a big line. Uh, roped in Spencer Rattler from uh, Oklahoma. I did. Yeah. I mean, he, South Carolina. You talk about Missouri having a good day on the recruiting front. I think the South Carolina pickups were not as expected as ours because a lot of those guys had committed earlier. But South Carolina did well, picking the bones of Oklahoma's corpse. Yeah, I tell you what. I'm not a big Spencer Rattler believer, but good for them, I guess. Yeah. Congratulations, Carolina Jackpot. Yeah. <laughs> Something to hang your hat on after a bad year. Um, also, December 30th, Tennessee will be playing Purdue. Tennessee finished the season 7-5. and five. A lot of goodwill towards Josh Heupel after his maiden voyage at Tennessee. Purdue was 8-4 and four in the Big Ten. Uh, Tennessee is a 4.5-point favorite. 
being played in Nashville, Tennessee, Music City Bowl, the Trans Perfect Music City Bowl. Oh, okay. We've been told how good Tennessee is since we got into this league, and uh, they have not been good. And Josh Heupel certainly does seem to have them on the right track, but I'm still not a believer. And Heupel, the last couple of times I've seen him interviewed, you can tell he's pretty proud of himself. And so I'm starting to want more and more for that guy to lose <laughs> a lot. Well, I mean, I want him to lose anyway because he's Tennessee, but it wouldn't hurt him to get knocked down a peg. Well, after just getting demolished by Tennessee this year in our uh, game we went to earlier in the season, just the low point of our football season, I really I really want to beat Tennessee next year, and I wouldn't mind seeing them. If we're going to have anybody in the SEC lose, I'm always happy for it to be Tennessee. Paul, who do you think can win it? Tennessee. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Uh, now we're getting Colin to the New Year's Eve Bowls, so it's starting to get serious, including some playoff contenders. Friday, December 31st, in the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl, number 25 Texas A&M is taking on number 17 Wake Forest. Wake is 10 and 3, Texas A&M is 8 and 4, but with a win over Alabama, they have an impressive squad. Texas A&M is a four and a half point favorite over a good Wake Forest team. They should they get enough talent to beat Wake Forest. The problem is, is will that talent come to fruition? I mean, like I I'm constantly impressed every time I watch Texas A&M with some of the fucking huge athletes they have on their team and how much they don't finish in yeah. some games. And I just like and which also points to coaching, but you know, and and if you and you line up Jimbo's resume next to Kevin Sumlums, they look a little too similar for my taste. <laughs> yeah, you talk about Mississippi State being a Jekyll and Hyde team. I think Texas A&M certainly has been that this year, and I think they, but they came away with the number one recruiting class in the country. So Jim Fisher knows how to how to cheat and get players. So you can count on Jimbo for that. Paul, who do you think can win it? Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's got all SEC teams so far. The next game is the first of the playoff games. Number one in the country now, Alabama, sitting at 12-1 and one after their SEC championship against Georgia, will be taking on number four in the country, Cincinnati. Cincinnati Bearcats, I believe, are 13-0 and 0 and the first non-Power 5 school to actually make the playoffs. You know that the playoff committee wanted everything in their power to keep Cincinnati out. They couldn't do it, so what did they do? They paired them up against Alabama. <laughs> That's right, and Cincinnati's going to be able to do deep knee bends over a fire hydrant when Alabama's done with them. <laughs> 13 and a and half points is the line. It's been real, and it's been fun, but it's over. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, folks. It's, it's, a, you know, it's always fun to root for an underdog, but I, I mean, maybe I'll eat my words. Lord knows when, uh, when Clemson beat Alabama in the national championship game, I, was, I did not see that coming, but no. I just can't imagine Cincinnati can stack up player to player with Alabama and not just get completely fucking curb stomped. I agree with that. I think it will be the least interesting of all the playoff games. And there's a lot of pressure on Cincinnati. I think we mentioned this earlier in our season where if Cincinnati goes up against Alabama and does get completely throttled, then forget about ever seeing a non-Power 5 school make the playoffs again. This is your shot, and you embarrassed yourself. You wasted a playoff spot. And uh, so they need to show up because if they do, they've opened the door to smaller schools everywhere. The other playoff game also being played that night, the 31st, is Georgia versus Michigan in the Capital One Orange Bowl. Number three, Georgia, 12 and one versus number two, Michigan, also at 12 and one. Georgia is an eight point favorite over Harbaugh's Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I sort of pull for Michigan in this. I don't know why, but uh, really, I would bet them. I'm surprised to hear you pulling for Michigan in any way. 
I, I've just always had a soft spot for Michigan, just honestly, because I grew up in the days of the Fab Five. Yeah. And so I always loved, you know, I loved Michigan back when I was a kid and didn't know any better. But there's still a part, I still have a bit of a soft spot for them. Well, I don't. I certainly don't have any soft spot for uh, Jim Harbaugh. And uh, I always kind of like Georgia. So I'm uh, definitely rooting for Georgia to win this one. If there is going to be an interesting first-round playoff game, this is going to be the one that will be fun to watch. Yep. All right. Now that takes us to the New Year's Day Bowls. The real bowl season begins. Arkansas, number 21 in the country, sitting at 8-4, and four, will take on Penn State, 7-5, and five, in the Outback Bowl. Penn State is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Yeah, I'm not a believer in Arkansas. I don't care how much everybody tells me Sam Pittman's great. I do not believe it. One winning season is not a champion make. And so they're going to have to back it up, back it up, back it up. All right, Paul, who do you think can win that one? Arkansas. Wow. On Arkansas, okay. Kentucky, number 22 in the country, sitting at 9-3, and three, will take on Number 15, Iowa, 10-3 and three in the Big Ten in the vaunted Citrus Bowl. Kentucky is the three-point favorite. I, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I, I, can, I can see that. I can also see Kentucky getting beat by a very good Iowa team. This Iowa team kind of – they had hopes of winning the Big Ten this year. Obviously, that didn't happen. But this is their Super Bowl, so I can see them doing everything they can to uh, pull out a win over an SEC opponent. No, and, and Kentucky certainly isn't world beaters, but they're they're a solid football team. They're well coached. And the last game, SEC game on the day is the All State Sugar Bowl. Number eight, Ole Miss, sitting at ten and two, will take on number seven Baylor at eleven and two in the Superdome in New Orleans. This should be a very good game, and I always hate to see Rapey Baylor win anything. Yep, yep. I, Baylor should uh, Baylor should. Crumble and fold on itself. It shouldn't exist. I, I, I agree. Ever. I think Baylor should have been given the death penalty after all the things. No, I agree. I mean, I just, I mean, given their history and they're just their complete and utter lack of morality in all things. Fuck, fuck Baylor. I hope the whole university burns to the ground. <laughs> Same. Ole Miss. All right, Ole Miss. It's an even. It, it's even. The line is even. Dead even on that one. So, and then Tuesday, January fourth, Kansas State seven and five will take on six and six LSU in the Tax Act Texas Bowl. Why this is so late? I never understand why they put a loser game in the middle of playoff season, but they do. Kansas State's a two and a half point favorite. Games played in Houston, Texas, so it's a short drive for LSU fans. Who you got? LSU. I don't believe in Kansas State at all. LSU. I think we're all on the same page there. And that'll do it. That wraps up Around the Horn Bowl Edition. So, Colin, we uh, talked a little bit off air before we started recording. Um, there's obviously we don't have a uh, player of the game. There's no game to. to- Brennan, I was thinking about that. I'll say this. I'll, sort of a player of the game. If, if anybody uh, watched the Kansas City Chiefs uh, beat the, the Chargers last night, a certain player of the game for me was one Nick Bolton, who was everywhere. Oh, yeah. That is fumbles and tipping tipping balls for interceptions and making big tackles and putting on pressure for the quarterback. I mean, he was all over the place. And I don't. I, people were skeptical about his drafting. And I'm just like, well, what about a big physical guy with a motor that won't shut off is a bad thing. So, uh, <laughs> kudos to the Chiefs and awesome for Nick Bolton, who's amazing and continues to be amazing. And honestly, it wasn't for what there was Micah Parsons or whatever it was for Dallas. He'd probably be a really up there for a defensive rookie of the year but anyway nick bolton you are the player of the game the kirk farmer's hair player of the game sorry 
No, I think it's a good point. I was going to mention Tyler Beatty, but that, that Nick Bolton actually played football this week, so that's a good pick. But I just wanted to, to mention that Tyler Beatty continues to stack up accolades. He's gotten second-team All-American honors from a number of sources, and uh, the fact that he hasn't gotten a first-team All-American, not anywhere. Fuck you, America, media, sports media. <laughs> Yeah, it's just people don't watch Mizzou football. Yeah, he is a first-team academic All-American, obviously. He's got a 3.83 GPA and going for his master's. He's a smart kid as well as a talented athlete. Yeah. And this is the Tyler Beatty Appreciation Show. What's nice about Tyler Beatty is, like, even if his NFL career doesn't pan out, he's not one of those guys I worry about. Do you know what I mean? Like, in life. Because there's several players that I've loved throughout my fandom for Mizzou and other teams, and you just know that if they couldn't do football – Shit's going to get hard. <laughs> Life's going to get rough. <laughs> and I don't worry about that for Tyler Beatty. Tyler Beatty's probably going to medical school or something. You know what I mean? Like, he'll be fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's on the fast track to uh, stardom and whatever he takes on in life. Well, that does, Colin, that brings us to our other award. And it'll be fun to do this one because it's been a busy week for douches. And it's time once again for the TJ Mo Douche of the Week. Douche of the Week. You know, these guys are both douches brilliant because i'm sure tj mo loves both of them oh yeah when you say both colin the listeners won't know that we have talked about this beforehand and we thought well there are two guys who could either one of them really take this honor and run with it and nobody would complain because they're super douches yeah first of it is urban meyer who has just been a complete and unmitigated disaster at jaguar since the beginning the first thing he does is bring in tim tebow to try it at tight end which is farcical i mean this guy in his athletic prime would have been a project at tight end. And then you're going to, I mean, I don't know. It, Colin, it, there's a reason it, it, why it, he it's did it's that. It's a professional locker room. It's a professional locker room. And if you bring in your pet, these are adult men. They're going to look at you like a fucking joke. And that's how he started his career there. Well, Colin, you know why he brought Tim Tebow in, don't you? I mean, this is obvious. It is the fact that he wanted a spy in that locker room. He wanted to know who was on his team and who you know who was back in the new coach and who wasn't? And Tim Tebow was there to be Urban Meyer's ears in the locker room, and all those guys knew I've it. I heard that. I heard Jason Cal- Lockenfor. What's his name? Jason Lockenfor. Incorrect. Incorrect. Whatever that NFL. Lockafora. Yeah, Lockafora. He's a what is he? The CBS sports guy. That's what that was his contention that Tebow was there as a snitch. But I mean, even if he was there as a snitch or isn't there as a snitch, he still is not a. You know what I mean? Like, it's the ridiculous thing to do. And uh, then he just turns out that he's just a complete and utter horse's ass and and treated a bunch of grown men like children and uh, was an asshole to his assistant coach. I mean, like, he just sounded like the worst conceivable boss on the planet. He kicked don't forget the kicker. Mid-season, yeah, don't forget. Yeah, he kicked a kicker. Don't And don't forget he, he's, um, you know, getting dry humped by a woman who's not his wife at the bar and got, got, getting some sneaky fingers. Uh, I mean, it's just. This guy's a fucking douchebag. Yeah. <laughs> what a douche. He's made nothing of Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. He got been given the uh, best quarterback project in uh, in several years, and he's hasn't peed a drop with him. He hired Chris Doyle for his strength coach, who had been fired by Is the it? University of Iowa for racial insensitivity. Being a racist. Yeah. yeah. I mean. Everything he does is stupid. And you can tell he's got a just a an ego that is without bounds because he thinks he can do all these things. And just, it's going to be fine. He's just going to get away with it. Well, this like, is not college. This is, these are grown adult men. It's They're like, not going to put up with your horse shit. It's like whenever he, um, <laughs> after the game last October when they played Cincinnati and he did not fly back with his team. I mean, that they say that 
a lot of coaches would have been fired for that. It's unprecedented for a coach to abandon his team and like say, I got, I got to go to back to my restaurant to get dry humped by a 24 year old. <laughs> as much fun as it sounds like it's a bad idea. <laughs> and on top of everything else, I think he's won two games, two games. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I don't know if you saw when the interim coach was uh, having his first press conference, one of the media guys said, what do you think about the fact that as interim coach, you could have more, NFL wins for this program this season than the head coach did. And the crazy thing is, Brendan, we decided not to make him the douche the He's He came runner-up Yeah, that's to true. Gene Chizik. And, and the reason Chizik. we chose Gene Chizik is because he's on the uh, SEC network. Mm-hmm. He made some horse's-ass statement about how uh, you know players shouldn't get paid because it's going to benefit the big schools and because you know there's struggling Americans who don't make $50,000 a year, so don't pay players because, you know, poor people. <laughs> yeah, let me read you the actual tweet verbatim, if you'd like, Colin. Every scholarship offensive lineman at UT will get $50,000 a year with this new NIL deal. Not to mention the $200,000 in education. Americans struggling to find $50,000 a year jobs to feed their children. Next, it's $100,000 per player with no end in sight. Flawed system, five exclamation points. Most Why money should wins. people make money? Capitalism is wrong. <laughs> what he's saying. You're like, yeah. capitalism for me, but, you know, fuck you if you want to make money. Because I'm a coach, so they can pay me millions and millions of dollars not even to coach. Yeah, $10 million. He got $10 million to not coach at Auburn. Oh, I thought it was $7.5 million, Brennan. It's neither here nor there. He got millions of dollars not to coach after he got million dollars to coach. And that's not and flawed. it's okay for him. That's fine. Playing these athletes to play football, now that is, oh boy, that's just, oh, it's immoral, you know, Brennan, really. I mean, it's just, you could, this couldn't be more wrongheaded. You know what I mean? And I understand there's a point to be made about, well, teams are going to benefit and they have the most money. That, that in and of itself is not necessarily an awful point. I mean, I'm sure that the it, It's always been true from the beginning of adjust. time. They're going to have to adjust. You know, the NFL had to come up with a salary cap. You know, there are things. The industry will correct itself, I have no doubt. But the, the the assertion that these kids shouldn't make money because some Americans don't make this money. You know what I mean? Like, just say what you mean, Gene. Just say what you mean. <laughs> I'm not interested in playing young black kid. But old white guys who coach, give them millions. Well, the irony here, Colin, is that he's, it's pretty well-known – fact that he paid cam newton to come play at auburn under the table and i guess it's as long as it's cheating and under the table and illegal that's fine to play them but if you do it you know yes if you do it in the light of day somehow that's now wrong like why can't these kids fucking what in every other aspect of american life if you have a talent or a skill and you're willing to provide your services to another organization for their benefit we compensate them with money. It's called a salary. It's called wages. We all do it. It's called capitalism. Good Lord. Gene Chizik, you're not just a douche. You're a communist. <laughs> well, that's my thing is like, well, they're getting this education for free. I'm like, okay, well, anybody who makes that argument, I want you to be okay with whatever your boss is paying you right now and never expect more because you're telling these kids to take what they're getting and be happy with it and shut up. Well, is that what you do at your job? Is that what you do for your skills, for your labor? You just take what they give you and shut the fuck up and never expect a raise and never expect to get more than the bare minimum. That's what you expect. That's fine. As long as that's what you expect and you're not a huge fucking hypocrite when you tell these kids that they can't make more money than just their education, I'm fine. But something tells me most of the horses' asses pushing this flag up the pole, 
don't apply that to themselves for even 15 seconds. They never put that shoe on the other foot. And I'll tell you what, if my son becomes a fucking five-star athlete, you better believe I will expect him to be paid well for his services. Well, then that's the thing. It's it's just the obvious fact that a full-ride college tuition, the value of that is not commiserate with the value of what their services are in a league, in a college football universe where we know that it generates millions upon millions of dollars. What does that Michigan State coach get? $32 million or something crazy? There's $100 million contracts going out now. Penn State just signed a $100 million contract to a coach. And the fact that he's worried about $50,000 going to some linemen at UT, I mean, give me a fucking break. And, you know, $60,000, $100,000. First of all, $100,000 go to a public college in the South. That's not really what it costs. He's inflating that. But even if he was, these guys are worth millions if at the at the top of their game, you know, the best players in the country. And well, here's so my you, thing, you can't get $2 an hour and say, well, I'm paying you. So you can't bitch $2 an this hour. Is really, if this is really how you feel about players, they should be happy to take the fucking scholarship and leave it at that. That's fine. But you should also be lobbying then for coaches to make the equivalent of a, of the, uh, of a four year degree. You know what I mean? Like if it's, let's say, it's not two hundred thousand dollars to go to fucking Tennessee, and then I'm close. But if he, let's say it was, then coaches should make two hundred thousand dollars. You know, if you want it to be fair, and you know, everybody, you know, good for you know, good for thee, and not for me, or whatever, how you want to say it, like that's fine. If you want them to take just the scholarship, then coaches should just take the value of the scholarship and monetary compensation. And if you want coaches to make fucking thirty million dollar contracts, then shut the fuck up about football players making money. And at, to your earlier point, Colin, I think I read somewhere that there were $94 million in contract buyouts, in contract buyout money that went out to coaches to not coach football this year. This year, <laughs> think about that, $94 million that was the to most, not coach. It's, it's the most backwards, dead brain fucking tweet you could possibly make. And it said it came with Chiswick's wisdom or something on the bottom. Oh, yeah. He, he sends out things all the time, and he, he closes them all out with uh, – with words of chisdom and uh, he, he does that on all he when he tweets it's all like these stupid pearls of advice as if like like words of chisdom as if you couldn't get philosophical wisdom like pay close attention to those who clap when you don't win anywhere else you know it's like yeah dumb fuck these are not really <laughs> you know what i mean you're not confucius you're a fucking idiot ex-football well coach. based on his good for me and not for the mindset about the way this is i he's going to be running for senate in the next two years. Like, he'd fit right in. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was ridiculous. He's a huge hypocrite. I mean, it, he's in the worst position to make this tweet in a lot of ways because, A, he got a huge oh, got fucking roasted. buyout. He got roasted. Yeah, as well as should have. But, I mean, the, between the buyout and the illegal payments to Cam Newton, he is in the absolute worst position. And, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm just going to always advocate for the like, poor kids who can make generational wealth by using the rare talent that very few people in the nation have – and, you know, not get paid nothing to work. That, and that's, I mean, we all are dancing around it. We had a word for people getting paid not to work, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have a word for people doing a, a, making a bunch of money for somebody else and not getting paid to do it. Yeah. So anyway, fuck you, Gene Chizik, at least this week, because you are the TJ Mo douche of the week. Douche of the fucking week. communist. <laughs> well, on that note, Colin, we got a big football game. We got the bowl game coming up next week. I'm excited ish. Yep. 
And we got yep. a big stable of stars coming next year. So things are good all in all. Uh, we got to suffer through some terrible basketball in the next couple of months. But keep in mind, we play Georgia at the end of March. We've got a big win looking ahead of us. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. It's not maybe. Bad for everybody. Maybe some people like irate. And then they're really looking forward to Mizzou basketball. <laughs> it's possible. I wouldn't bet on it, though, Colin. Well, you know, I mean, like, we should make decisions based on the exception. You should make them on the rule. You know what I mean? And most people don't like having their eyes raped. That's true. Whether the dicks have been wrapped in kitty litter or not. <laughs> or diamond right. dry. All right, Colin, on that note, M-I-Z. Z-O-U. Martin is a good coach.